why I'm so dry this morning, but I'm raspy all of a sudden, and, and you don't want to listen to me be raspy, do you? No. <laughs> Thank you, Jason. I appreciate it. <clears throat> so we're in our series on My Best Friend, and uh, I haven't referred to this yet, but if you can see this graphic, basically what it is is, you remember the old, you know, hook up two cans or cups, and you put the string, and you listen, you know, to one another. The other one's talking into it, and you can kind of hear it. So uh, the, the thing about our relationship with the Holy Spirit is understanding that it is our, our greatest connection to God in communication. And so um, it's very important for us to, you know, yeah, we're not going to have a little can with a string on it, but to understand when we find ourselves in those times of prayer and we set ourselves to listen for God to speak to us. And in a sense, there's those moments where we're speaking to God. But you got to understand it's the Holy Spirit that's listening to what we have to say. And not only that, he's the one guiding us in, in what we're able to express to God. That the Spirit of God in us, right, causes us. Uh, two weeks ago, I referred to the, the scripture that says he causes us to, to cry out, Abba, Father. And he causes us with, with groanings, right, that can't be uttered. That there's, there's sometimes we're in that place of distress and, and, and we're just praying and, and we get to that point of where we might begin to weep or, or or we feel ourselves just oh man god the anguish and we pour that out well god's hearing that god's not turned off uh from those things but rather he is drawn uh, near to him amen and so uh our scripture for this has been uh in 2 corinthians 13 verse 14 and this comes from the message bible and today my emphasis is going to be that my best friend is a leader he's a leader uh, we're meant to be led by the Holy Spirit, uh, and when we recognize his friendship, when we recognize how much he loves us, it's easier to yield to that leadership, amen? And so 2 Corinthians 13 and 14, the amazing grace of the master, Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God, the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. Some of you, nope, all of you. It's a promise to us. Again, uh, Jesus prayed that the Father would send the promised Holy Spirit. Now, next week I won't be here. I'm going to be in training for, for a couple weeks uh, uh, with, with some art leaders, and uh, we're going to be at a roundtable, and I'm going to be going through an intensive uh, coaching with these leaders. And so Pastor Warren is going to be preaching next week, and he's going to be talking a little bit more about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And how he is a gift to us, and not just he's a gift, but he brings gifts with him when we accept the Holy Spirit as a gift. Amen? But back to this, that the, my best friend leads me. He leads me. It's my first point this morning. He leads me. If I'll yield to him, he'll lead me. John 16, 13 says, When, however, the Spirit comes, who reveals the truth about God... He will lead you into all truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but he will speak of what he hears and will tell you of things to come. He's going to speak of what he hears and he'll tell you of things to come. Do you remember Jesus when, uh, when we read the, the passage, it talks about that he only did what he saw the Father doing. Jesus didn't do what he wanted to do. He did what the Father wanted him to do. 
And now the Spirit has come, and what the Spirit is doing is he is speaking to us the things that the Father is speaking. And what's the Father speaking? He's speaking about the witness and the testimony of the work of Jesus Christ in our life. It's what the Bible says, that he will speak of the Son. The Son spoke of the Father, and the Spirit speaks of the Son. And what it does is it establishes this order of relationship with God, that we can't get to God unless the Spirit draws us, but as the Spirit draws us, we, we still can't get to God unless we go through the Son. Can you see the order that God established in that? So the roles, if you will, in the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all God, but there's roles, if you will, and submission. Think about it this way. To say that the Holy Spirit, who is God, won't speak of his own authority. He won't speak on his own authority. Well, wait a minute, isn't he God? Yes, he is. But in the Godhead, he has a function. He has a role, if you will, and that role is to point to the Son because you still can't get to the Father. Even though the Spirit's drawing you, you still can't get to the Father unless you go through Jesus Christ, the Son, the one who died on the cross and paid the price. Amen? And so he leads me. The first one, he leads me to the one who is truth. He's not just leading me into truth, he's leading me to the one who is truth. John 14, 16 says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The Holy Spirit is always, look, there's a lot of things that the Spirit will work in our life, but you can rest assured this, that it'll always be about Jesus in our life. It'll always be about being changed and transformed into the likeness of the Son of God. So what the Bible says is that we're being changed, we're being transformed, right, by the renewing of our mind, but not just that we get the word and we've got knowledge, but that we have the spirit and that, that we have a revelation word, if you will. We have a rhema word, a spoken word, a spirit, right, breathed upon word of God working in us to transform us into the likeness and the image of Jesus Christ. Meaning that we're Christians. Say Christians. Say Christ. Now, I don't know if you've heard this before, but Christian simply means, right, little Christ, or you're following Christ. So the Spirit's here to change us and transform us uh, to look more like Jesus. Amen. He leads me to the one who is truth. The second one there. He leads me to the truth about myself. He leads me to the truth about myself. Anybody ever been shocked with something God said to him? You ever been reading the scriptures and all of a sudden God shows you something and it's kind of like, it's like, oh man, that's me, right? Remember, remember when Peter stood up on the, on the um, day of Pentecost and he's preaching his message, right? He's kind of in that place where, um, you know, the one that you crucified was the Messiah. He gets to that place and he begins to speak to them. And it, it, you crucified the living, the Son of God. He gets to that place and they realize as he's preaching this message and he's pointing to them that it's your sin that hung him there on the cross, but it pleased him to do it, right? So that what? They could be saved. And, and, and the Bible says that they were cut to the quick. They were cut to the heart. It, that, that it cut them. They felt that that you know, the sword of God's word, if you will, pierced them and, and conviction overtook them, right? Not condemnation, 
Condemnation would have let, had them going, yeah, we did that. Man, I, I deserve to be put to death for putting Jesus up there and walk away in condemnation. No, they were convicted. How do we know that? Because that, that, that cutting, that conviction caused a response or an action from them. And that action was this. What must we do to be saved? And then Peter begins to define, repent, right? Turn from this perverse generation, right? And you shall be saved. And the Father will give you the promised Holy Spirit. This promises to you and all who are far off, all whom the Lord our God will call. That our response to him, when we hear the word of God, when the Spirit convicts us, there is a calling of God. The Bible says he calls us by name. We feel that prompting. Sometimes we can feel like we're the only person. We can be sitting with people like in this room and you're hearing something and you feel like it's directly to you. It's because the Spirit of God is quickening that to your heart and mind. And, the, and what is he doing? He's drawing you to the Son, through the Son to the Father. Amen. So he leads me to the truth about myself. Listen to what 1 Corinthians 2, 10 through 15 says. And, and, and we'll process this a little bit. Um, but, but really try and just, you know, you could even close your eyes and listen to it. It might go, because our ears kick in a little bit more when we're not visually looking, right? Listen to this. But it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. I don't know what you're thinking right now. Do I? Your own spirit knows what you're thinking. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. That's why that relationship, have that, that, that he's your best friend. If you can make that connection, your spirit and his spirit making that connection, all of a sudden the spirit of God is working in your thoughts. That's why conviction can come. You know, there's things that people have said to me a hundred times, and the reality is until God quickens it to me, until I get a revelation of it, I can't make a change. I can't make a move, right? And I, stay, I go the same way that I always go until that, that's quickened in me, and I know I've I got to change course. When, when, when I heard the gospel and I finally came to the place of where it's quickened in me, I realized it's my sin that hung Jesus on the cross, and all of a sudden I'm like, I, I don't. I don't want to stay in the place I am since Jesus died on the cross to offer me salvation. Give me salvation. I want salvation. And it's the Spirit of God that reveals that to accept it. And faith moves us uh, to receive it. Amen. Where am I at here? God's own Spirit. And we have received God's Spirit, not the world's Spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit. Using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. Those who are spiritual can evaluate all things, but they themselves can, uh, cannot be evaluated by others. What does that mean? Uh, people can't discern. 
right? Spiritual things are not carnally discerned. They're spiritually discerned. Say, why do these people go to a place to sing songs, raise their hands, and, and, and sing to this invisible God? I don't get it. The world doesn't get it. But when you've been born again and the Spirit of God lives on the inside of you, you just get it, right? Remember a number of weeks back and I, I did that whole thing, a friend of mine taught me, it's like I'm just a little bit different, right? And I throw that in there every once in a while because it just kind of makes these thoughts, makes these meditations stick for us. That when the Spirit comes into us, the world doesn't understand us because we're just a little bit different. Don't ever forget it. You're just a little bit different than, than any other human being out there when the Spirit of God is living on the inside of you. Why? Because you're not marching towards death. You're marching towards eternal life. While you'll lay this body down, what happens is, is you'll, you'll pick up a new glorified body and live in the Spirit like you've never lived in the Spirit before. There'll be no more battling rebellion, battling your, fr- your flesh. Instead, what will happen is, is, is you, you'll know as you're a known. You'll be, in a, you'll be transformed. You'll be changed once and, and for all, forevermore. Amen? So he leads me uh, to the one who is truth, and he leads me to the truth about myself. He reflects, the Spirit does, so that I can see myself for who I really am and understand my need for God, and then in that moment that I'm changed and I have the Spirit, all of a sudden I don't see myself the way I used to see myself. Amen? And that leads me to the next one. That, that is that he leads me to the truth of what is possible. He leads me to the truth of what is possible. Until I got, I got saved, right? I hope there would be something after I die. Come on. I hope there's something else after this. I mean, you know, because... You see folks get to, you know, go 80. They might go into their hundreds. You know, God bless, you know. I don't know about hanging out in my hundreds, you know. If, if, if I got quality of life, so be it, right? But my point is, is that that's not a very long time when you measure that against eternity, right? I hope there's something else. But see, once the Spirit of God came on the inside of me, right, I started to recognize that there were greater possibilities in him amen listen to what uh, Jesus says in Mark 9 23 Jesus said to him if you can believe all things are possible to him who believes you know and that's just not that's not talking faith in faith or belief in belief that's talking about do you believe that all things are possible in Christ because he said that you can ask anything in my name and according to the will of God you can't go uh, in Jesus' name, I ask you'll kill this person over here. God's not going to answer your prayer on that. You get what I'm saying? That's witchcraft. Come on now. You're all staring at me. Some of you thought those things about people before, haven't you? Yeah, come on. Right? No, that's, that's not what he's talking about there. He's talking about believing in him, that he makes all things possible in your life that brings glory back to God. Amen? Job all the way back to Job. So that was a New Testament scripture, but we go all the way back to Job. And Job had this mindset of, of the truth and of what is possible. I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. Now you can understand Job's saying this stuff, and there's a whole lot of his purposes that was being thwarted. Come on. 
You know, he, he lost his children, he lost his wealth, he lost his health. He said again, he lost his children, he lost his health, he lost his wealth, right? He, he, lost, he was losing everything. And he's at the point, and he even lost the loyalty of his wife. Why don't you just curse God and die? I mean, it'd be one thing for her to say, Job, just curse God. You know, he's not, he's not showing up for you. No, 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 this lady took it a whole step further, right? Curse God and die. I mean, I would want my wife, to, you know, to at least want to keep me, you know, even though she doesn't want me to keep God. You hear what I'm saying here? Job was in a state to where everybody turned their back on him, and he lost everything. And you want to know something? Job didn't give up. Why? Because he had the truth about God. He knew his God. And he knew uh, his statement, too. We know that it was the devil that was beating on Job, right? He's, he's destroying his life. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And he was certainly doing that with Job. He's the accuser of the brethren. He's the one that comes to destroy. And Job's going through all of that. And you know what Job says in the midst of that, even though it was the devil beating him down? About God, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. It's like, no, it was the devil slaying him. Job understood something about not glorifying the devil. Understanding that he'll come and he might want to wreak havoc in my life. But I'm not going to acknowledge him and give him, because you understand, there's an element of giving him praise when you start to focus on your problems rather than focusing on the possibilities that can happen in Christ. The God, look, you may go, something may happen to you, but you can come through it rather than getting stuck in it, amen? Don't get stuck in your problems. See the possibilities. So um, first he leads me, right? He leads me to the one who is truth. He leads me to the truth about myself, and he leads me to the truth of what is possible B, his leadership helps me. His leadership helps me. He is called the helper. He doesn't just lead me, hey, follow me, but he leads me by helping me. Number one, leads me by helping me recognize my sin and repent. He leads me by helping me recognize my sin and repent. Romans 8, 5. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. Can you see that? You get that friendship going on with the Holy Spirit, you're going to be a little more motivated to want to please Him. In other words, satisfy the Spirit rather than satisfying the flesh. Amen? Look at what John 16, 8-11 says in the Message Bible. When he comes, he'll expose the error of the godless world's view of sin, righteousness, and judgment. He'll show them that their refusal to believe in me is their basic sin. I I like how it says that, that it all really begins with there. People's refusal to believe in Christ is a basic sin that leads to all other sin. Why? I don't need Jesus to save me. I can save myself. That's the world's deception. We can't save ourselves. That's based in pride. Adam and Eve in the garden, what does it come down to? God's provided for them everything that they need. They can trust him, right? Just don't eat from this one tree. Establishes free will. And what do they do? In pride say, because this is what the devil said to them. Well, God knows the day you eat of it, you'll be just like him. You'll be as God. In other words, you'll be your own God. 
That's the basic sin, is not recognizing that we need Jesus in our life. Amen. That righteousness comes from above, where I uh, am with the Father, out of their sight and control. In other words, look, uh, mankind hung him on the cross, but he was resurrected from the dead and ascended into the heavens and seated at the right hand of the Father, right? The Bible says that we're seated with him in heavenly places, right? We're seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. And when we understand that, what happens is, is we have access to all that the kingdom of heaven offers in promise, but we got to come to him and we got to believe him as he is. And if we don't come to him that way, then the, what the Bible says is that if we come to him as he is and, and we, we acknowledge him that way, that, he, that we seek him, that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So it's not like coming to God and saying, God, you just need to do this for me. No, it's coming to God and saying, God, I realize that you're the one that has made a way where there, there, there seemed to be no way that mankind could be saved. That all the calamity and all the challenges that we face, there seemed to be no way. And then comes Jesus to die on the cross. So I come to you and I acknowledge you as you are. I acknowledge you as my Savior. I acknowledge you as my Redeemer. I acknowledge you as my healer. I acknowledge him as my provider. I acknowledge him. He gave himself a name for all those things. And that Jesus' name is a name that's been highly exalted. A name given above every other name whereby all men must be saved. And when we think of salvation, it offers all the other names of Jehovah. Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Sitkanu, Jehovah Shalom, peace, right? All those names that God gave himself was about provision to us. And that all of that is wrapped up in the name of Jesus. So when we come to him, we seek him as he is. We recognize that he's a savior. We recognize that he is God and he's worthy of our worship. And if we don't come that way, we certainly shouldn't have an expectation that we're going to receive the blessing that he offers. Amen. Y'all with me this morning? Am I being too serious? If, if I've got a serious, too serious of a face, I mean, the serious face comes back, right? Hopefully it's resonating in you, inspiring you. God wants to work on your behalf, but you really got to put him in the right place. And the only way you can put him in the right place is if you've got the Spirit of God living on the inside of you, leading you to do it. We all fall short in so many areas because of our humanity. But the divine power of God works in us. Amen. Uh, let me give you the second one here. Realize my potential and pursue it. So his leadership helps me to realize my potential and pursue it. 1 Corinthians 2, 9-15 says, That is what the scriptures mean when they say, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. You can't even imagine how great God wants to work on your behalf. His, his desire to work on our behalf goes so far beyond what we're capable of thinking, thinking or imagining. It's a little bit of a tongue twister there. Thinking or imagining. Imagining, setting in like, I wonder what life would be like if, and I wonder what, I wonder what life would be like if, all my bills. I wonder what life would be like 
you know, if I didn't fight in my marriage. I wonder what life would be like if all my kids behaved. I wonder what life would be like if I, I really loved my job. I wonder what life would be like if, if I didn't have, you know, uh, challenges in my relationships. Come on now. All the things that we wrestle with, with and lose sleep over, those are the things that God wants to work in our life for. But we got to invite him in and give him place. Here's what I found God to do. Realizing my potential in pursuing it. I see the potential of what can be, but pursuing it is the challenge. Why? Because sometimes, let me say this, in your relationship, it will require you to ask for forgiveness. Sometimes it will require you to extend forgiveness. In your finances, it might require you to actually make a budget that works. Maybe that was hit right home. You know, they say it's, you know, oh my or oh me. Right? Sometimes it really comes down to uh, we know what we would desire, but are we capable of taking the actions to get where we feel like God has called us to be? And I'll tell you this it's great to have the leadership of the Holy Spirit for Him to help me get to that place in those areas of my life. Amen. Ephesians 2:10. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do Good works, not bad works, good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do, right? God's omnipresent, he's omniscient, right? He's all-knowing, and he's everywhere. He's already had a plan for you. The question is, have you tapped into it? Are you connected to it? And are you going the direction that the Holy Spirit's leading? Because if you're going the direction the Holy Spirit's leading, the Holy Spirit will be right there to help you get to the place that God has called you to be, Amen. Ephesians 1.18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of, of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Holy Spirit in you makes you a holy people. Amen? Because here's the deal. All fall short of the glory of God and sin, right? And it's like we can't attain the holiness of God without the Holy Spirit. When he comes on the inside of us, you're saved, you're redeemed, you're sanctified. You, you really can't make your spirit better than the Holy Spirit makes your spirit. But your spirit's the one that will contend with your flesh to make your flesh follow what the spirit is asking you to do. Amen? And so we need him. We need his help so that we can experience the riches of God's glorious inheritance as we are being holy because he is holy and it's the Spirit of God working in us. So, so how's that possible? Number three, his leadership helps me to receive divine power and make a difference. Divine power and make a difference. Divine power, make a di difference in my life. Divine power and make a difference in other people's lives. Amen. 2 Corinthians 10.4, the weapons we fight with are, are not the weapons of the world. On contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Do you realize that the Spirit of God in you gives you, through prayer, the ability to identify the things that are strong, things that are pushing against you living in God's blessing, living in God's holiness, you know, reflecting the kingdom of God, if you will, through all that you do. you got to understand that he gives you prayer in the power of the Holy Spirit, his divine power, so that as you declare over that situation in your life, um, that what happens is, is that it breaks that stronghold down. 
spiritually speaking. I'll tell you what, man, can you turn those lights down a little bit? <clears throat> Do you ever start to get like just that? They're just a little too bright for me. <clears throat> I can't see. <clears throat> those strongholds that come in our life that oftentimes we, we struggle with, you know, physically, mentally, and emotionally, again, they're the things that rob you of sleep. They rob you of peace. But God has given you the Holy Spirit so you can have the confidence that when you look at those things, you have hope in the midst of them, and you begin to declare to them, right, that they need to come down. It's not you that needs to, to, to come under that situation or, or submit to that, but it, it's, it's taking authority over it and declaring it that, it that the things that aren't as though they were. In other words, right now this is challenging in my life, but God, your word says that I can call those things that aren't as though they were. And I'm going to speak as, as Zerubbabel did, right? I'm going to speak to my mountain, right? Zerubbabel, speak to this mountain, right? And it will become a plain before you. You know, climbing a mountain is very different from walking across a plain, right? Would you all agree with that? And that's what that had to do with is Zerubbabel's facing a mountain of difficulty. And, and God speaks to him that this, this mountain is going to become like a plain, it's going to be greater ease. This is Jesus saying to you that come unto me all weary and heavy laden and I'll give you rest. And sometimes we don't feel rested. Come on, some of you moms that got little kids. And <laughs> I was talking to a lady the other day and she was like, I get an hour and then I'm up an hour and then I get an hour and I think I got three and a half hours the other night. You know, bags under your eye. <laughs> you know, and I know those are situations, but my point is, is that, you know, there's a place where you can begin to declare in those situations. You know, some people just kind of go and endure it and never actually, I wonder if I could pray about this situation, pray for my kid. God, I pray you, by the Holy Spirit, will knock that kid out, for not knock out physically. <laughs> and sometimes we feel like that as parents, you know. Um, but, you know, I, I bring that one up to say, look, there, there are stresses that people go through that are natural stresses, but God can certainly bring peace in that. Now watch this. That when you begin to recognize that the Holy Spirit tells you that you're not meant to do life alone. See, sometimes it's pride that causes us not to go and ask for help. Come on now. Anybody like that? I'm like that. Angie, I'm going to tell a story about Vanessa and you when she was a baby. You good to go? All right. Because this will show you the evil that Angie's had to overcome in her life. <laughs> no. Vanessa was a baby, she was colicky, wouldn't sleep. I was on a missions trip for like a little over 30 days. Midway through that missions trip, I, again, I'm gone, she's a newborn, and, uh, and she wouldn't sleep. She just would not sleep. Angie could not get her to sleep. And, and so when we've got, you know, she had Danielle too, which was um, two at the time. And you all know the terrible twos as well, right? And all that's going on, I mean, she's just not able to sleep. And like I say, I mean, Vanessa was what, maybe two, two weeks old? About two weeks old? No sleep at all. And so what she does is goes to another Christian friend's house. That's a lady we knew. And uh, she literally goes up, rings the doorbell. The lady comes to the door, opens the door. She goes, hey, Angie, Angie, hands. She goes, take her. I'm afraid I'm going to hurt her. And into her arms, she took uh, Vanessa. Angie got a couple hours of sleep. She's like, okay, I can deal with this now again. See, sometimes the answer is simply knowing that there's other people who care, right? 
but we got to be willing to ask. Now, I would not suggest that you get to the point to where you're going to hurt somebody and then you ask. Try to ask before that. Does that make sense? But oftentimes, it's actually pride that keeps us from going and asking people to help. Let me say this. Sometimes it's fear that causes us not to go, well, you know, I don't want to be a burden and, you know, I know they're busy or, you know, things like that. And then we don't ask. And what happens is, is that we're doing it all alone and we feel all alone and we feel like we're not loved and, you know, it's not like you can walk up to God and say, take her, I'm going to hurt her. But God established the body of Christ. He established brothers and sisters in Christ so we could be there for one another. But let me say this, if you don't ask for help, people can't help you. Please give me a loud amen on that. Amen. It's a fact. You've got to ask for help when you need it. Um, so uh, 2 Peter 1 and 3 says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Amen? Ephesians 3.20. How, oh, excuse me, now glory be to God, who by his mighty power at work within us is able to do far more than we would ever dare to ask, there's that ask, ever dare to ask or even dream ever dare to ask or even dream of infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, or hopes. Infinitely beyond, listen to that, infinitely beyond our highest prayers. In other words, the prayer we pray and, and, and are most passionate about and, and, and bring to God the most, that God's going to do way beyond that way beyond anything we desire, way beyond anything we think, way beyond anything we hope. Is that, is that the picture you have of your God? See, because when you start to get that picture, you understand why he's your best friend. The, the divine power is much different than our, our physical abilities, right, as human beings. Like what I can do for Angie and, and fulfillment in her life, it pales in comparison to what she has in her relationship with God. Does that make sense to you? When you get to that place to where the Holy Spirit is your best friend, the point is, is that you're in a communion with God that's very personal. And he starts to help you realize just how much God loves you and cares about you. And let me say this, when you get to that place, you don't see things the way you used to see them. And I remember Angie and I didn't have insurance when we first came to pastor this church. We didn't have any uh, health insurance. And uh, so, you know, so the kids did something. You know, they want to, like Wade wants to, you know, get on his little, what do you call them, trike bikes or whatever it is. And, you know, they're like, banging themselves up and, uh, you know, they're running around. We're always kind of like, you know, stay in the fold kind of thing. Don't go too far. Uh, Wade would go across the street and play with his friend. And I remember one day Wade came up. And he goes, Daddy, can I go over and play with uh, Chi-Chi, they called him, I, I remember right. Can I go play with Chi-Chi? I'm like, yeah, sure. So I go to the door and I watch him go across the street. And he gets up and rings the doorbell and I see their cars in, in the lot. And I should have been that parent that hovered just a little bit longer. <laughs> because I see him get up the door, he rings the doorbell and I'm like, okay, he's good because I knew they were home. Well, what I didn't realize is they were in the they left with somebody else and rode in their car. They weren't home. I went back. I sat down in my chair. I was actually reading a book. And I sat back down in my chair. And then all I hear is like this blood-curdling scream 
and I knew it was my son. And I, I run to the door. He's running, well, kind of across the, the yard, and he had been hit by a concrete truck. It backed up, it hit him, and when he came up, he's got this, this the whole right side of his head is just huge knot. And of course, you know, we're going, no, no insurance, dot, dot, dot. And yeah, we got to go to the hospital, you know, so I'm kind of evaluating him. Uh, the concrete guy comes to the door, right? And he came to the door, isn't that right? I'll never forget, just my thoughts went to, oh, we're, we're in trouble, Lord. We're in trouble because we have no insurance. And it's, you know, going to the emergency room. And, and I'd have gone. But the first thing I did is pray. I put hands on my son, concrete guy standing at the door. And he's white as a sheep, by the way. He was Hispanic. And I'm talking white, because why? He just ran over this kid with his concrete truck, right? He's a little concerned. And I remember laying hands on Wade, that huge knot, and watching it just disappear. And the concrete truck driver's like, jaw just fell open. Wade was fine. Now, some people, that's irresponsible. No, I saw the manifestation of the miracle, and that's how much I trusted God. Now, sometimes I wonder, I hope Wade gets this video, because when I talk to him, sometimes I'm thinking maybe that was a bad head, head injury, and it was a little worse than I thought. <laughs> Stuck with him over the years. <laughs> I'm joking. Now, what I'm saying is, is that God cares for you. He cares for us more than we can ask, hope, think, imagine. It's beyond our understanding. But I certainly want to try to understand it. We should want to try to be so connected to the Holy Spirit that He is truly our best friend. So that as He leads us, He's leading us into the things that God is imagining. He's leading us into the things that God's thinking. He's leading us into the things that, that, that God recognizes about our desires, but it's so much far more beyond what we desire. Build that kind of friendship. Establish that kind of communion and interaction with God. If you thought of your best friend here on earth, you know, the, the, another human being that you interact with, and you're like, that's my best friend. You want your friendship with the Holy Spirit to be so much more than what you have with any person here on earth. Because I promise you, what you have with the people here on earth will be exceedingly and abundantly above all you could ask, hope, and think with those relationships as well. Amen. Let me uh, close with this. Would you, if you'd bow your head, I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to let these questions kind of sink in. Because remember what I said at the beginning, the Holy Spirit, He doesn't come where He's not invited. He'll, he'll be around you, but to come live in you, to come be a part of your life, to be your best friend, you kind of got to extend an invitation to Him. So I want to challenge you this morning to invite the Holy Spirit to lead you. Let Him lead you into repentance in those areas that you know, like, you know, this is an area I need to repent. I know that I do. Do that right now. You don't have to say it out loud, but you need to at least think it like, God, I give this to you. I ask your forgiveness for this area in my life. And Holy Spirit, I invite you to come and heal me and give me focus 
so that I don't enter back into that sin. Let him lead you, lead you to discover your potential. How do you think about yourself? What do you think your possibilities? What do you think your future can look like? Right now, just offer that to him. Holy Spirit, come. Lead me into the potential that God has for me. And then finally, let him lead you in power to make a difference. Let him fill you with his divine power so that it's not just you working on the issues and areas of your life. It's not just you reaching out to help others, but it's the Spirit of God in you empowering you to do that. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for every person in this room this morning. I pray, God, that even as they head home and they have conversations about making you their best friend, Holy Spirit, that even in the week, they wake up in the morning, I pray that as silly as it would sound, they wake up and say, good morning, Holy Spirit. What are we going to do today? And they'd invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and be a consistent part of their life. I pray when they're driving down the road in their cars, there's the, just those moments. It's like we pick up the phone and we call our spouse or we call a friend and we have a conversation. And Lord, uh, if you will, we'd pick up that can. We'd pick up that spiritual can. And Lord, we'd listen. And Lord, we'd talk to you. God, I pray as we do, that you'll show up in miraculous ways in the lives of your people. That, Lord, the testimonies of what God is doing, because we give you place and we give you time and we honor you. And, Lord, you show up and you bless your people. God, you do and fulfill exactly what it says in Ephesians, exceedingly abundantly above all, that they are asking, hoping, thinking, praying. Go beyond it, God, in their life and let them see it and witness it and become a witness of it to others and help other people. We pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Hey, God bless you. I know it was a kind of a somber, you know, message this morning, but I want you to know that that friendship, that relationship, it is a serious relationship. Take it seriously and then enjoy it. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week.